keeper light in the darkness my God that is who you are you are way maker miracle worker promise keeper light in the darkness my God that is who stop you never stop working we make a miracle worker promise keeper light in the darkness my god that is who you
Thank you, JB. I'm so thankful for who God is, what He's done for us. He's worthy of our worship and our praise. I praise the Lord for the privilege to be able to worship Him with our life and uh, to be able to lift Him up. Christmas is coming. We're a week away. A lot of people have different ideas about what Christmas is all about. There was a person doing interviews over in Japan, and they like to do Christmas over there. They try to copy a lot of things like we have here in the West, and and uh, they had all the different things you buy. I mean, if you were to walk there, you'd see them doing a lot of the same things most people in this country are doing, going around buying things, decorating for Christmas, not knowing the real meaning of it. And the interviewer went up to one of the ladies on the street and just asked simply, what, what is Christmas? And the, the Japanese lady, she said, well, isn't that, isn't that when Jesus died? <laughs> now, we understand that, obviously, she's not right. It's when Jesus was born. But in reality, there's a lot of truth to what she said. Even though she didn't understand the whole concept of Christmas, really that's what Christmas is about, that Jesus Christ, he was born to die, to die for our sin debt, to pay for us. And I praise the Lord for what he's done for us. I'm thankful that Christ came. And I'm thankful for what we celebrate at Christmas. Every Christmas season, we're reminded that Christ was born there in Bethlehem, laid there in that manger some 2,000 years ago. But what really matters today is whether or not you have had Christ born in your heart, whether you've been born again. You can know the Christmas story. You might say, well, I know more than that Japanese lady does. I know, of course, Christmas is about Christ being born. And many people in this country do know that. There's still more that know it than don't. You might have a time in your life when you used to celebrate Christmas or you used to growing up. But the question I want to challenge you with is, have you had that time in your life when you personally have seen Jesus Christ come into your life when you've been born again? You see, that's really what Christmas is all about. It's about understanding who Christ is, that He was the Messiah, that He came. He was Emmanuel, He was God with us, that He came and that He lived a life that we could not live, a life of absolute perfection. Yet he allowed himself to die in our place. When was your Bethlehem? When was Christ in your life for the very first time? I'm talking about in your heart. Not just a head knowledge, but a heart knowledge. You know, it's interesting. Christmas is an amazing day throughout history. If you look back at history, you'll find that many leaders were crowned king on Christmas Day. Charlemagne was one. William the Conqueror was another one. Both of them were crowned on Christmas Day. What a a fitting thing to be crowned such a holy day as that, as Christmas Day. I heard somebody on the radio yesterday say, it's Holly Christmas. And I said, no, it has nothing to do with Holly. It's holy or Merry Christmas. It's a holy day. It is a day that we remember. And it's important that we understand that. And you know, it's amazing. You look back at these kings that were crowned on Christmas Day. and, And listen, why not crown Jesus king of your life on this Christmas Day? Why not let Him be King of your life? We talk about salvation. We talk about trusting in Christ. Not only should He be our Savior, but He ought to be our King. He ought to be our Lord. We ought to bow down and worship Him. I just invite you right now, before I get into the remainder of this message, I want for just to stop for a moment. I fear oftentimes that we come together and we, we sing songs and it, it just rolls off our lips. It means nothing. I fear we come to church, even on a a, a Sunday like this, the Sunday before Christmas, and we really don't take to heart why we're here. 
I'm here today to worship Jesus Christ. And if you're not here for that, then you're missing it. There's a reason we're here today. And I'll, let me just pose something for you. We're going to get into it in just a minute. But imagine those shepherds getting to the, the, the stable and saying, hang on a minute. These cows are not properly worshiping the king, so therefore I'm not going to worship him. Those cows got it all messed up. Those sheep, they got it all messed up. So because they're not doing it right, I'm not going to worship him. Hmm. Sad situation that'd be, wouldn't it? By the way, at Lighthouse Baptist Church, we don't have it all completely fixed and 100% right all the time. You know why? Because we're human beings. We all fall short. That's not an excuse for not living a life of holiness under the Lord. God wants us to. But when we come together and we lift up the name of Jesus, don't let the stumbling block get in your way of worshiping him with your life. As we corporately together lift up the name of Jesus. It's throughout all of our songs that we sing. These songs we've sang my entire life. We see it throughout the Christmas story. We see, come, let us worship the King. It is something that we do first and foremost with our heart. But we do it openly and we say it with our mouth. And we sing songs and lift up His name. But He's got to be King of your life. It's true worship. True worship is something that happens as a result of when you have bowed to him as your king within your heart. And so I ask you right now, let's have a word of prayer. Would you just ask the Lord, or would you invite him to sit on the throne of your heart? Would you allow him to be your king? Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray that we'd allow you to be truly our Lord, our king. Lord, we come before you. We adore you. We thank you for working. Lord, even when we're not in a perfect place in life, Lord, you're still working. Lord, you're worthy of our praise, our worship. Lord, I pray that we would lift you up. I pray that in our hearts this morning that we'd allow you to be on the throne of our heart. Lord, that we would listen in this message, put aside the things of this world. Lord, that we would die to ourself. We'd stop being the person in charge. Lord, we'd allow you to take control. Lord, speak to our hearts. Help us to hear the message you have for us today. Break the heart. Make it soft. May we listen as you speak. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Christmas story. Amazing. You know, there's so many facets of the Christmas story that, that is just uh, so amazing. And you think about all the things that took place. Here we've read this morning here in our text, and we, we read the story. By the way, we're over in Luke chapter 2, but we read the story here how God used shepherds to announce his birth. Shepherds that didn't have it all together. Shepherds that wouldn't have been high in society. Shepherds that were just uh, lowly. Shepherds. And he used them to speak of, the, uh, of, of the, the announcement of the arrival of the Son of God. That truly, when you see that, you see the grace of God in that. I mean, why shepherds? These men were looked upon as dirty individuals. They they kept care of dirty animals. Why would God use shepherds? Look there if you would, once again, Luke chapter 2. Look at verse number 8. Jump down if you would. And they were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. I mean, think about that for a moment. Here the shepherds are. 
They are sore afraid. That means they had great fear. Great fear came upon them. Hey, listen, these weren't, they weren't simply startled by what took place. These men were scared to death. You've got to imagine, though, what shepherds were like. Imagine being out there night after night in the complete darkness, just with the stars that are shining, perhaps the moon shining, and there they are out in the darkness. These men were used to what it's like to be out in the dark. You ever been out in the dark where it's like really scary? I mean, because you can't see your hand in front of your face, and somebody walks up and, and, and says, or grabs you and it scares you? Hey, these men, they were used to being out in that environment. They were used to, to guarding those sheep against the wolves, against lions, against bears. They would have been in a place where they were, they were these were hardened men. These, these were people that were used, used to, to, to facing extreme situations. They were brave. Here they are, though. The angel of the Lord appeared unto them, and they had fear. Fear. You know what? Fear of God is a good thing. Men ought to fear God. But I want you to notice the comfort and cheer that the angel gave them. Look at verse 10. And the angel said unto them, fear not. Fear not. Fear not. I'm glad that God's word has that phrase again and again and again. 365 times in the word of God. Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. God does not want for us to live in fear. Fear not. Why? For behold, I bring you good tidings. The news you're about to hear. Good tidings of what? Great joy which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, which is the Messiah, the Lord. He's born this day. A Savior. What is a Savior? A Savior is a rescuer, deliverer. A Savior is one who rescues souls in danger. A Savior is one who saves others from imminent danger. The danger that those shepherds were facing is the same danger that people today are facing today. The same danger, listen, people that are are in, in this world today, people are dying in sin without a Savior. If it wasn't for the Savior, there would be no hope. There would be nothing but fear. What God did on Christmas Day was send a Savior to deal with the man's greatest problem, with the most difficult thing that we'll ever face, and that's the problem of sin. And so Jesus Christ, he was born there, and we know the Christmas story. And I want to just deal with just the simple fact of why was Jesus born? Make it applicable to us today. Why was he born? First and foremost, Jesus was born to deal with sin. With sin. In 1 John 3, 5, it says, And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins. And in him is no sin. He was manifested. John, the writer of 1 John, he knew very well why Jesus came. He knew very well from a very young time in his conversion. He knew why he came. Perhaps he was there when John the Baptist, when he cried out, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. Jesus came to take away our sins, to pay our sin debt. And sin is the most powerful three-letter word in the English language. You think about the power of sin and what sin has done in the world that we live in today. It's the reason that the world is a mess today. It's the reason that our jails seem to be full and many churches are empty across this country. In one three-letter word, we understand why God sent a Savior. We understand why God promised a Savior. 
Because without him, there would be no hope. See, the truth is, every one of us are sinners. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. We all fall short of God's glory. Without Christ, there would be no hope. Without Him coming to be our Savior, there would be no hope for us at all. The only thing that we would have in our life to look forward to is certain death and separation from God and hell eternally. That's why we needed a Savior. We needed a Savior because I couldn't save myself. You can't save yourself either. Christ is the only one that was capable of saving us. He's the only one that was born of a virgin. Why that matters is because he was not born with a sinful nature like we were. And the reason why it mattered that she was a virgin, talking about Mary, of course, is because she did not, she did not conceive this child from man, going all the way back to Adam. Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, and as a result of it, sin was passed on from every generation to every generation to every generation. Every one of us, the Bible says, we are born dead in our trespasses and sin. We are born a sinner. Jesus Christ was not born that way at all. He was born of God. That's why it was important that Mary was a virgin. Jesus Christ was born. He had flesh just like you and I. He was all man and yet he was all God. He was Emmanuel, God with us. As a little babe, he cried. As a little babe, he needed to be fed. He needed to be taken care of by his mom. He had to be taught. He had to learn. He had to grow. And through all of that, through all his entire life, he never sinned. The Bible says he was tempted in all points as we are and was yet without sin. None of us could say that. You can't say that today. None of us have, have come to the place of perfection in our life because we've already sinned. Even if you never sinned again, which is impossible in your life, you're still a sinner. Jesus Christ, though, was sinless. Jesus Christ was the one and the only one that could be our Savior. Jesus Christ, he came. It says there in 1 John 3, 5, and ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins. To take away our sins is why. To take the sin that we had on our account, the sin that we had because of the things that we have done, the thoughts that we have had, the breaking of God's law, and it says here that he was manifested to take away our sins. It's an interesting phrase. It means to lift up. It means to haul off. It's like you take your garbage, you put it out the curb, and the garbage man comes along, he picks it up, and he hauls it away. And you don't see it any longer. Well, humanly, we could probably go find that place. But what this is talking about is that Jesus Christ, he came that he might take away our sin and take it to a place where we no longer have to worry about it any longer. No longer do we have to see it any longer. No longer do we have to be condemned by it. He took it away. Hey, thank God that God hauled away my sin. How far did he haul it away? The Bible tells us in Psalm 103, verse 12, that he, as far as east is from west... As far as east is from west, it's as far as far can be because it never has a connection. It's, just, it's eternal. It's infinity. It's forever. Thank God when Jesus lifted up our sins on his shoulders at the cross, he hauled it away never to be seen again. If you've trusted in Christ as your Savior, that's exactly what Christ has done for you. Jesus came to deal with our sin problem. 
We all have the need of a Savior. I got saved when I was five years old, many years ago. I've shared the testimony many times. Some of you could tell my testimony back because you've heard it so many times. But I don't, listen, it should never get old to us when Christ came to save us. It should never get old for us to remember the time when Christ came into our life, when it really was that Bethlehem, when Christ being in our hearts, we were born again, we were made alive spiritually, when we knew him personally, and he lifted that sin debt from us, he lifted that burden of sin off of us, when his blood washed away our sin. Let me ask you, do you have that moment in your life? Can you go back to that time? That's why Jesus came. He came to deal with our sin. Secondly, Jesus was born to deal with Satan. He was born to deal with Satan. I want you to take your Bible, turn over to 1 John, look at verse number 3, chapter 3, verse number 8. 1 John, chapter 3, look at verse number Notice if you would there, notice the second part of the verse. It says, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. He was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. I'm so thankful that God has dealt with the devil. He has, Christ was manifested. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. That word there, destroy, it means to render inoperative. It means to put out of business. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, the devil, he's still destroying lives. The devil, he's still doing all kinds of things. Yes, there's no doubt about that. But when a soul bows their knee to Christ Jesus Hey, by the way, not just Christ Jesus, but King Jesus. When we bow our knee to King Jesus, the Holy, the Son of God who took away our sin, when He steps in and takes away that sin debt from us and washes us with the blood of Jesus Christ, the devil, listen, we no longer belong to Him. The devil no longer has power over us. Sin no longer has the power over us that it once did. God wants us to be free from that. The work of the devil in our life. He wants us to be free from that. The devil has no more claim over me. Listen, before I was saved, the Bible, it talks about either you're a child of God or you're a child of the devil. Before I became to know Christ as my Savior, listen, I was a child of the devil. I was bound by chains of sin. I was bound and the devil had complete control in my life. And now listen, when a person gets saved, they no longer are underneath the power and the control of the devil. A lot of Christians, though, today aren't living that way. Jesus Christ came that he might destroy the work of the devil. And there's so many people today that are still living under the power of the devil, the, old, the, the, the temptation that he has, the, the temptation that he puts before you, and, and the, the accusing that he does. That's what the devil works. He'll come along, he'll tempt you to do something, and as soon as you step out and you do that, what does he do? He starts accusing you. Who do you think you are? devil's an accuser and he'll accuse you before you got saved he'll try to say you can't be saved because you're not good enough 
You get past that and you finally realize that God will save anybody. God will save you. God loves you. You get saved. You trust in Christ your Savior. And the first time you step out of line, I've led many people to the Lord. And it seems like it's not soon after that the devil starts attacking them greatly. And before you know it, they start to feel like wondering whether they've been saved or not because they feel like they've given in temptation. Truth is, what we need to understand is that the devil is a defeated foe. When we trust in Christ as our personal Savior, we become a child of God. That will never change. You'll always be a child of God. When, when Jesus Christ died on Calvary's cross, he defeated the devil. He had victory over the devil. And when we trust in Christ as our personal Savior, we become a child of God. We become part of his family. We are on the winning side. I'm so thankful today that Jesus Christ, that little baby, born in a manger, was tough enough, was holy enough, was mighty enough to take away our sins and to destroy the works of the devil. There was a great general during the Second World War. His name was General Wainwright. And I say great not because of all the wonderful battles that he won. If you read his history and you look at what he went through, he was great because of how he withstood and had great character in time of great persecution because he was in captivity. And during that war, after take, being taken captive by the Japanese, he was beaten, he was starved, he was treated horribly. I've seen pictures of me. You could hardly tell that he was a man at all. One day, a plane landed with the news that the war had ended. The next day came. The Japanese soldiers, they, got, they came out out of sheer habit. They came to the compound where General Wainwright was staying, and they began to torture him and beat him, just as always. They'd forgotten the war was over. They didn't want to acknowledge it. The general now was on the victory side. He was on the winning side. He already knew it. And so just as the soldiers came in and started to beat him, he said, hey, wait, on. Hey, wait, you stop. Put down your weapons. I'm in charge now. You are my captives. Hmm. You know, next time the devil comes to tempt you, why not just say, listen, devil, I'm no longer enslaved to you. You're no longer in charge of my life. I'm on the winning side, and I stand here being a child of God. In the name of Jesus, I know that I have the power over you. You see, Jesus has already won the war. And as a child of God, washed in his blood, God is in charge of our life now. God is in control. The sad truth is today there's a lot of people that aren't letting him be in control, though. They're not bowing down and allowing him to be Lord of their life and King, King of kings of their life. But Jesus came. He came that he might deliver us. He came that he might deal with Satan and deal with a sin problem. And then thirdly, Jesus was born to deliver salvation to deliver salvation. I want to break it down. I want to talk about when we talk about delivering salvation. You ever, at Christmas time, sometimes you open up a box and within the box you have several different gifts that are wrapped with inside that. I enjoy things like that. You open it up and there's things that, that kind of one after the other and you look at it and you open this one and then this one and then this one. You know, salvation is the same way. The day that Christ was born in Bethlehem, God gave us a great gift of salvation, but you can break it down into smaller gifts. And the first one I want you to notice with me is this, is God gave us the gift of his son. And we talk about that's one that we always focus on the most, but we ought to at Christmas time 
In Isaiah 9, 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. God gave his precious son. It's so wonderful when you think about the fact of what God has done, how God gave his precious son for you. If you're here today, you've never trusted in Christ as your Savior. Understand this, God has given his precious son for you. Dying in your place, paying your sin debt. God has given his son for us. Not only that, God has given us the gift of salvation as a result of that. As a result of giving us his son, he's given us the gift of salvation. And with that also includes the gift of God giving us faith even to believe. See, every part of the gift of salvation is a gift. It's nothing that we earn. It's nothing that we are able to achieve in our own good works. It's all from God. God even gives us the faith to believe. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, it says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You break that verse down. You look at what the through is talking about. It's talking about through faith uh, and talking about how God gives it as a gift. It's, uh, it's not talking about the salvation or the grace. It's talking about the faith to believe. God gives us the ability, the opening of our eyes to understand. And by the way, this is not for just some people. God wants everyone to be saved. You respond to the light that God's giving. By the way, God might be giving you light today. God is trying to open your eyes up from darkness. And if you see in your heart today that God is speaking to you and God is telling you that you are a sinner and God is trying to get you to see that he loves you and God is trying to get you to see that you need a Savior and that's why Jesus was born for you, God is trying to open that up. Respond to that light. And when you, as, you be, as you begin to say, yes, Lord, I believe, God will give you the faith to be saved today. God will allow you to know him. God gives us faith. God gives us repentance. Two sides of a coin. One side is faith. The other side is repentance. In Acts eleven eighteen, the Bible says, When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. God allows us to even have the ability to re- have the repentance unto life. And so God gives us this gift of salvation, which includes faith. It includes repentance. And then thirdly, God gave us deliverance. Deliverance. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, it says, Who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Now what's that talking about? Great a death? I'm talking about the death of being separated from God eternally in hell. Talking about how God has delivered us. And by the way, that deliverance doesn't happen the day that I die. That deliverance, it happened at the very moment I trusted in Christ as my personal Savior. That's what this is talking about. And trust that He will yet deliver us. I've been delivered. I know I'm a child of God. My sins are forgiven. And you know what? There's nothing I'm ever going to face in this life that God is not going to deliver me from. There's nothing I'm going to go through that God is not going to give me the ability to get through that. And God is going to deliver. Deliverance. And so we see back here in Luke chapter 2, in verse number 10, it says, And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ. Lord. That's why Jesus Christ came. Jesus Christ came to deal with our sin problem. Have you allowed him to? Have you been born again? 
Have you trusted in Christ as your Savior? The deal with Satan, listen, stop living like you used to live before you got saved. You're on the victory side. You're on the winning side. The death blow has already been given to the devil. You can have the victory. Trust in the Lord. Let him be king of your life. The Savior was born to deliver salvation. Not just when I die, but right now. Right now, you can have it. Have you trusted in Christ as your Savior? When was that moment? When was that time? I mean, where will you spend eternity? What do you celebrate Christmas about? What's it, what's it all about for you? For a child of God, you've been born again. You know you're on your way to heaven. It ought to be about once again being reminded of what Christ has done. Once again, making him, making sure that he's king of our life and sharing that good news. Maybe this Christmas, this year, today, it might be your time to put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ so that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're on your way to heaven. God wants you to know. Is the Savior your Savior? Is he yours? Let's all stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed as we pray. Lord, we thank you for loving us. Thank you so much. Thank you for loving us so much that you gave your only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Lord, thank you for loving us so much that you gave your Son for us, that he might live a life we could not live, that he could be our Savior because we can't save ourselves. God, thank you for getting victory for us. You've won the victory. Lord, I pray that you speak to hearts. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, let me ask you today, do you know Christ as your Savior? Is he yours? What that means is you can go back to a time in your life when you know that you trusted in Jesus Christ and him alone and what he did on Calvary's cross. The fact that he died on that cross, not because of his sin, but for your sin. And that he was buried, he died three days in the grave. And you believe that he rose again. You trust that God's word is true. And you believe that Jesus died for you and conquered death in the grave for you. And you by faith trusted in Jesus Christ. You put your faith in him. You asked him to forgive you of your sin to come into your heart. Believing in Him and trusting and accepting that great gift of His Son, Jesus Christ, as your personal Savior. And based on the promise of God's Word, you can go back to that time and you know that you're on your way to heaven. If that's your testimony, would you lift your hand up high and say, yes, I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. God bless you. Put your hands down. Perhaps you're here this morning. The thought of where you'll spend eternity causes doubt. Perhaps even fear. You can't go back to that moment in time when you were born again, when you asked Christ to come into your heart. You don't know for sure you're going to heaven. Listen, God's word says that you can know and God wants you to know. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants you today to come to him. He wants for you today to nail it down and, and accept Him as your Savior. Know that you're saved and on your way to heaven. 
He wants for you today to walk into that light that He's showing you right now and repent. Turn away from your sin. Turn away from your pride. Turn to God. Ask Him for forgiveness. If you're here this morning and say, Preacher, I'm just being honest. I don't know for sure I'm going to heaven. I don't have that peace, but I'd like to have that peace. I'd like to know. With heads bowed, eyes closed, I won't call you out. I'd like to pray for you today. Would you just lift your hand up? You say, I don't have that peace. I don't know for sure. I don't know for sure I'm going to heaven. Would you just slip your hand up? Could I pray for you? Christian, we've heard the story so many times. Have we gotten so cold to it? It's just one more Christmas, one more day, one more Sunday. Is he Lord of your life? Will you worship him with your life? Are you victorious in your walk? Will you get your eyes on the Lord? This morning the invitation is very simple. I just want to invite you to come and thank him, praise him, lift up his name. Thank him for his salvation. Thank Jesus for dying for you. If you're here this morning, I want to invite you to come. If you've never trusted in Christ as your Savior, our heads will be bowed, eyes are closed. We have a time we call an invitation. We invite people to come to this up at the front here. We call an altar. And if you'll step out and come, and you don't know Christ as your Savior, if you'll come, everybody's heads will be bowed, eyes will be closed. If you'll come to the front, we'll have one of our workers.